0: It's an interesting film clip that you just watched, and basically it shows you in stark contrast the difference between forgiveness and someone who's just seeking justice. Mm -hmm. The important thing you understand today is that uh, God is wanting to shine some light on the area of forgiveness today so you can be healthy and sound. And understand that uh, fear has a lot of manifestations. And sometimes people literally don't walk in forgiveness and victory in that area because of latent fear in their life. But say it with me, no fear, no fear here. you know what the Bible says? The Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Right. I want you to say it with me. My God, My God has not has given us God. the spirit fear. of fear, but of power, power. and of love power. and of a sound mind. It tells you that if you yield to the spirit of fear, then you're not walking in the love of God. You don't have a sound mind, and the power of God is not operating. Now, I don't know about you, but this world's crazy enough that I can't afford not to have His power. I can't afford not to have a sound mind. I can't afford not to be in His love. And so we mentioned several things that we should not be afraid to do in this season, and one of them is we should not be afraid to forgive, or you could call it forgive again. We've declared this Forgiveness Day at the Harbour. Amen. This is Forgiveness Sunday. Come on, shout it out. Forgiveness Forgiveness. Sunday. Sunday. If you came here and you're in need of it, you're going to walk out here with it. If you came in here needing to forgive, that's exactly what you're going to do. And we're going to go before the Lord's table here in a little bit and enjoy the redemption that we have, but walk out of here free in Jesus' name. Some of y'all, by the Spirit of God, have been carrying baggage long enough. You're just wore out from carrying this stuff around. So what you're going to do is as you share today and partake of the Lord's table, you're just going to drop those bags and walk out of here free. And you're going to have a tremendous year the rest of the year. Amen? Because God hasn't designed you to carry that stuff. Amen? I love this scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. That, that couldn't be plainer. In whom? In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Then Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So you and I should be what? Kind and compassionate, forgiving towards others. Why? Because that's exactly the way God has been towards us. In other words, if I'm going to claim to be a born-again believer, I'm going to claim to be one of God's children, and I'm going to act like my father in this key area. Um, you're going to hear some things this morning that if you don't dial in, you could be highly offended over. But let me say at the outset, for you to be offended it means you came out of love. You cannot get into offense without coming out of love. It's impossible. It's impossible. For the Christian, God is calling you to a higher way of living, a higher level of revelation. Colossians 3.13 echoes that sentiment, bear with each other and forgive one another. Do we have to put up sometimes with each other? This is exactly what that means, forbearance, long-suffering. Look at somebody and tell them, long-suffering. We bear with one another and If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So you as a Christian are not permitted to carry any grievance. Can I have a better amen than that? You're not permitted to carry any grudge. You're not allowed as a Christian to walk around in bitterness. That's the word of God. And if you're a Christian, you should want to keep the word of God. To forgive just simply means to grant pardon for or remission of an offense or a debt. Somebody's given you, let's say somebody treated you wrong, now they're, so to speak, indebted to you. You release them. You give up all claim of a debt or obligation. You grant pardon. Some people in the body of Christ, even just, they like to have things they can hold over people's heads. Listen to me very carefully. That's not a Christian attitude. That is pagan. At its very root, that is pagan. Something did not happen. Your Christian elevator has not gone all the way to the top. When you forgive, you cease resentment against. You cancel an indebtedness or a liability. Literally, you cancel debt. Now, Forgiveness Sunday means that I believe there's a special grace here today to give you revelation about God's mercy towards you. I also believe there's a special revelation for you to receive, understanding and revelation about God's mercy through you to other people. Amen. Have you realized that the distance between you and the person who's treated you the worst in this life and the distance between you and the Lord, there's no comparison between them? Amen. So that should cause us to be what? Humble. Amen. And forgiving people. Now, you might have a problem with forgiveness if you phone with the mouth at the mention of somebody's name. You might want to keep that in mind. If you're in Walmart and you duck behind the dog food aisle because you don't want to run into somebody, you might have a problem with forgiveness. Are you here? You might have a problem with forgiveness if every time you turn around, their name or their situation comes back on your lips and comes back to your mind. Something has not been done in the area of forgiveness. God wants you to learn how to forgive again. Amen? And at a higher level than you ever have before. To live a life of forgiveness, you're going to have to understand today some lies about forgiveness. You're going to have to understand why people are afraid to forgive. You're going to have to understand what happens when you and I refuse to forgive. And I'm telling you, you and I cannot afford to pay the price of a person who won't forgive. Now let me say this, this can't be just theological. This has got to be personal today. You have to see yourself as a person bearing consequences for not forgiving people because it's a high order, a tall expectation with great consequences when we won't do it. And then also how to forgive. It sounds like a strange thing to say, but there are people who literally don't know how to forgive because they were trained to believe that somehow forgiveness was tied to their center of feeling and that is not what, what forgiveness is about. Understand this. There are things that are out there that are not true about forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness has to follow an apology. No. You don't have to have an apology to forgive someone. You and I will be done and dead in our trespasses and sins forever if God waited for an apology to send his son for us to be redeemed. I had a preacher say that to me one time, somebody that I worked with in ministry, somebody did them kind of dirty, And he said, Well, I'm not going to forgive them until I apologize. I said, What book did you get that out of? Well, that's just what I believe. Well, then you don't believe the Bible. Because according to what the Word of God says, while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ did what? He died for us. Write this word down because I want you just to, 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 to meditate on this phrase for days and weeks to come. I want you to learn today how to do preemptive forgiveness. Why? Because all of our forgiveness in the body of Christ right now is reactive. They did this and now I have to respond in a certain way mentally or relationally to really be empowered. God wants you to learn how to be a preemptive forgiver. Say why? Because that's what he did. That's how he operated. Another lie about forgiveness is forgiveness is a feeling. Emotions have absolutely nothing to do with the biblical concept of forgiveness. Nothing. Third lie is that forgiveness is a process. That's an error. And because it's been taught as a process, people have felt that they somehow have not been able to forgive or can't forgive. No, forgiveness is not a process. Healing is a process. The healing can't come unless you forgive. Say this with me, forgiveness is not a process. Healing is a process. Another lie is forgiveness is all about the other person. No, it's really about you. You're not responsible for them. You are responsible for what? For you. They're going to do what they're going to do. Help me out with this. Say it with all your heart. People are going to do what people are going to do. You have absolutely no control over what they do, what they say, their responses, their actions, how their heart is. But you have everything to say about how you are going to respond, how you're going to live your life. Say it one more time. People are going to do what they're going to do. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to base your life not on what people do or don't do, but based on what the Word of God actually says for you and for me. Fifth, forgiveness doesn't apply to repeat offenders. You'd be amazed how many Christians have sat right where you are. They've heard messages on how many times, Lord, Peter said, should I forgive my brother when they sin against me? Seven times? No, what? What did Jesus say? Seven times. Seventy times seven. And so, you know, the carnal Christian says, say, see, 70 times seven is what? 490. And so when I get to 491, I get to let him have it. No missing the point. But you'd be amazed how many Christians, I've forgiven them three times for this and I've had it. You didn't even get to the 490th yet. you got a long way to go. But you'd be amazed how many people in their heart of hearts believe that somehow it is an exhaustible commodity. Here's the irony. You and I want forgiveness from God that it is not inexhaustible. It is I should just speak in tongues. Maybe it'll come out better today. We want a forgiveness that can't be exhausted. But with other people in mind, guess what? I'm sorry, that was the third time. Three strikes, you're out. It's not a ball game. it's forgiveness. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. How many of you raise your hand and say, I'm glad that God's mercy towards me is new every morning and it can't be exhausted? You can't have it both ways. You can't have a mercy that's exhaustible for other people and somehow it's limitless for you. Right. It doesn't work that way. Why are people afraid to forgive? Well, first of all, they don't want to get hurt again. They assume that forgiveness is going to be the pathway to get nailed again. Nobody likes to be hurt, but that's an awful cynical way to live, isn't it, church? Number two, they feel forgiveness is undeserved. Be careful, your God complex is showing. No one deserves it. Number three, they don't want to be taken advantage of. That's understandable, but in this life, some people are just going to do that. Have you you lived long enough to know some people are just not going to like you? I know what you're thinking. To know me is to love me, but some people are not going to like you. They're going to talk ugly about you. They're going to undermine you. They're going to be jealous of you. Your response has to be to continue to walk in love. Well, I don't want to be taken advantage of, and if I forgive them this time, guess what? They're going to do it all over again, though. They actually, number four, want to punish the offender. They want something to hold over their head. Amen. It's a sad way to live. It's a terrible way to exist. You and I are called to a higher standard. Come on, give me a good amen today. And one another reason that people are, are afraid to forgive is they just don't know how to do it. And that's what we're going to do today is make sure you walk out of this door knowing biblically how to forgive people. And even in a preemptive manner as a child of God. Go over to Matthew 18 for just a moment. If you ever want to know what Jesus' theology is on the area of forgiveness, then become very well acquainted with Matthew 18 because it'll be a blessing to you. And when you're at Matthew 18, say, I am there. Look at verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. To illustrate this, watch what he says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who waited to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now can you see here that this man was just interested in get out from under the debt? Amen. To get out from under the pressure. But when that servant went out to he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Now we're talking about possibly the difference between a million dollars and a $20 bill. I mean, you know, this guy has a real problem here. And he he demanded that he pay him. And his fellow servant uh, fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he instead went off and had the man thrown into prison because he couldn't pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly uh, distressed and went and told the master everything that had happened. Now look at somebody and tell them, Jesus knows if you forgive or if you don't. Say it one more time. The Lord knows if you forgive or if you don't. So how does he know? He's omniscient. Amen. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And anger his master turned him over to the judge to be tortured and to be ba- until he can pay back all that he owed. Does that sound like heaven to you? You just keep that in mind. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your, what, brother, from your what? From your heart. Not your mind, not your emotions, but from your heart. Say it with me, from the heart. I want to point out to you several truths here and then then talk about the worst thing you can do as as a believer not to forgive. While God forgave this man's guilt and debt, watch this, he kept a record of wrongs against him. Do you know what his mind should have gone to as soon as he thought about the $20 bill? How could I possibly, possibly go to a brother with a $20 debt after what God has done for me? He kept a record of wrongs against him. There's the first issue. Number two, while his debt was enormous, he had no compassion for someone with an insignificant debt to him. you see this? There is no compassion working, no mercy working, even though he received great mercy from God. Number three, his harshness with his brother shows there's no change of heart, just a desire to remove the consequences. Listen carefully. God forgiving you and treating you with mercy should change your heart towards other people. And if you have not had mercy rise up in your heart towards people who have blown it, towards you or towards others or in general, which, by the way, this entire cancel culture is completely opposite of this teaching. God does not cancel people. He restores people. And that's not even bad enough. What's worse is it's not applied consistently in this nation. If you have the right ideology, then you might not get canceled. If you say the same thing with the wrong ideology, they come after you. Whoopi Goldberg says and does things that are anti-Semitic, she gets a two-week suspension from ABC. Roseanne Barr says something that's off the cuff and wrong, she gets canceled permanently. The entire show is she removed from. This is the reality we live in right now. And it stinks to high heaven. If you really believe in something, then don't apply it that way in a disparate way based on somebody's ideology. Amen? I don't know why people are watching that show anyway. It's not called The View. It should be called My View. And if it's not My View, we're going to nail you for it. The View. Makes my head hurt every time I see those people. I have to walk in forgiveness. (laughs) Yes, amen. Seriously. I'm like the rest of you. I'm worked out. I'm worked up about some stuff. Uh, Injustice should bother us. We have to temper that with the love and the mercy of God. But I pose to you today the inconsistency. The absolute hypocrisy of the situation for the Coca-Cola company to come down in the state of Georgia for passing voter laws that are less restrictive than the NBA, MLB moved the All-Star game to Colorado, which is more restrictive than in than Georgia, and Coca-Cola comes down on Georgia for it, and they're the primary sponsor of the Olympic Games. Now I propose to you that in 1936, if we had known that there were active concentration camps all over Europe, we would not have been there to do anything but to go to war with them. There are four million Chinese today in concentration camps and Coca-Cola hasn't said a word. It's a joke, it's hypocrisy, it's not about cancel culture, it's not about conviction, it's about getting rid of people that don't agree with us. And I said it prophetically, I'll say it again. China's day has come. They're going to get hit in every regard, including economically, for this injustice until they stop it. And if Coca-Cola won't say something, there are a lot of preachers in our country now that will say something. It is an, an attempt to, to extinguish a race of people. And by the way, there are not just ogres there, Muslims and Turks and other ones from the region. There are Christians in those camps and the only reason they're there is they won't renounce Christ. It's as far worse than anything Hitler has pulled. And we act like it's perfectly fine. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. There are some things in life that are more important than a medal. Amen. So there is no real justice, there is no real forgiveness, there is no real cancel culture that's legitimate out there. You and I are going to have to navigate this thing ourselves based on what the Word says. And the safest place to be is be a person of mercy. Yes, whoopee, that was stupid, but you know what? You learn from your mistake, now move on. Yeah, Roseanne, that was a dumb thing to say, but let's move on. If we treated people like that, the body of Christ wouldn't implode tomorrow. And yet there are people that function like that. They make decisions and they make determinations based on their feelings of offense. I'm going to tell you something. A decision made by a Christian in unforgiveness is the most dangerous thing you can possibly do. Look at somebody and say, we're going to cancel the cancel culture. Come on, say it. We're going to cancel that cancel culture in Jesus' name. Are you here? Yeah. And for the record, I'm a Coca-Cola kid. Well, then you ought to boycott them. If I boycotted every company that did something stupid, <laughs> now our job is to reflect Christ through the Word of God. Speak truth to power. Amen. <laughs> You want to do that? You're perfectly welcome to do that, but be consistent about it. You go and find out every organization that's controlled or influenced by the mob and boycott them. Moving right along. (laughs) Yes, amen. I uh, want to impress upon you The most dangerous thing you can do as a Christian is not forgive. What will happen, Pastor? First of all, your prayer will not be answered. Forget about getting answers to prayer if you won't forgive people. Scripture said, if I had hid iniquity in my heart, Psalm 66, 18, the Lord will not hear me. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Yeah, you speak to that mountain, be thou removed, and say in your heart, amen, and believe in your heart, and say with your mouth, and say, you know, believe in your heart, and don't doubt, and what you have said will come to pass. And then he goes right on and he says, And if you have ought, what do you do? In other words, what I just told you won't work unless you're walking in what? In forgiveness. Say it with me, my prayers won't be answered. Number two, faith won't work for you, because Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith, works by love. Yeah, but it really hurts. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but you need to get rid of your habits and get back on the word of God. Number three, you will not be forgiven. Not my words. Jesus, Luke 6, 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. It doesn't mean that you don't have the right to say something is right or wrong. This is about Uh, judgment in terms of ending of that person in terms of their state as a result of what they're doing you're not the judge you can say something's wrong but you don't have a right to determine their future do not condemn and you'll not be condemned forgive and you will be what you'll be what that sounds an awful lot like seed time and harvest say it will be forgive and i will be forgiven in Matthew 18, did you notice one of the things that uh, the master did? He restored the debt of the other servant 100%. How much? How much? Raise, raise your, your hand if you, if you were a pretty good sinner before you got saved. You knew how to sin. How many of y'all were sinners five years or more? Ten years or more? Fifteen years or more? 20 years or more, 25 years or more, 30 years or more. Some of y'all still sinners. <laughs> You're still going after it. What if he took all of that sin debt and then dumped it back on you because you won't forgive? That's the implication of this scripture. Could you imagine the damage that would do to you in every dimension of your life? but ultimately eternal. That's what happens when a Christian won't forgive. You get all of your sin debt restored. Every lie, every act of impurity, amen, any theft, any disruption or, or violation of His Word concerning the treatment of your body, the treatment of other people, how do you know the better deals for us to forgive? Can I have a better amen than that? Say it with me, all of my sin instantly restored. Boy, that's a that's a wonderful thought, isn't it? So you could either have that or you could forgive others. All of your sin restored to you or forgive. Which one sounds more reasonable? That's why the worst thing we can do is to not forgive. Number four, you will defile others. You will draw them into your bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up and troubles you, corrupting many. I've been doing this uh, part-time since about 1987, 88. And... Uh, as a senior pastor, since 1990, and not one time have I seen a Christian who's bitter not let that rub off on somebody else. Someone will always share your bitterness and your unforgiveness. It may not be somebody even in the congregation, but it could be a relative, or it could be a child who's watching everything play out Mom and them say they're Christians, but look how they treat somebody when they get hurt or get offended. And they'll tuck their tail and they run away or they get mouthy or get put out. You never do this alone. Your unforgiveness will never just be limited to you. You will spread that to other people. It spreads. It springs up, the scripture says, and defiles what? Many. Bad enough that you and I are caught in unforgiveness, but to take other people in? Uh, how many know I've probably counseled a couple, a couple or two through the years? And one of the things I'll always tell them when they're in crisis, and I'll tell everyone in premarital counseling, if you have a problem, you talk to each other about it, you talk to the Lord about it, or you go to the pastor that married you, or a Christian counselor, or the pastor you're sitting under right now, you do not go talking to every Tom, Dick, and Harry about what he did or what she did. You say, why? Because you're going to forgive and forget. But all the people you told will never look at those people the same way. And you're wondering how come your mom doesn't like your husband or vice versa because you had some choice things to say. Now you can deal with truth and issues and get support without vilifying that person. But I see this play out and what happens is long after you've moved on people will still have a raised eyebrow towards that person. And guess where it came from? Come on. It came from, it came from me. Turn to somebody and say don't poison people. Don't poison people with your unforgiveness. But you will. Now, if you can poison people with unforgiveness, how many know you can bless people with forgiveness? Amen. And mercy and love and grace. Amen. How many of y'all know some really stupid people? Raise your hand if you know some stupid people. Yeah. Okay, I didn't say it was easy. But if you'll respond in love and what? Forgiveness. You'll bless people. Amen. Number five. And this is probably the, one of the sharpest things I'll ever say from the pulpit. But it's true, it's biblical, and it needs to be preached. Say it with me. It's true, it's biblical, and it needs to be preached. Why is a Christian in unforgiveness the worst thing they can do? Because you will go to hell. Now, I got brothers in the ministry that don't belong, believe in a hell anymore. Uh, but it, it exists. And it was not designed for, for people. It was designed for Satan and his followers. But when you and I were made, we were made eternal spirits. We have to reside somewhere. Don't worry about dying. You're never going to really die. The only question is where are you going to spend eternity? Nothing could be sadder than somebody who who thinks they profess Christ going to hell because they won't forgive other people. Unforgiveness is a problem because a a person who claims Christ but won't forgive is actually bound for hell. Listen carefully. A Christian who will not forgive is not in right standing with God. Let me say it again a Christian who won't forgive is not in right standing with God. Listen to this in Matthew 6. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. How many want to be forgiven? (laughs) raise your hand up high and say I want to be forgiven I want to go to heaven see there's a there's a doctrine out there that says well I prayed one time to receive Christ and I just live my life of faith he, don't, he understands me he knows my problems and this and that he didn't expect anything from me yeah he does he expects you to walk in forgiveness and love he expects you to honor what that word says come on say I don't want to go to hell say it I don't want to go to hell a Christian who won't forgive is on their way there. Because you dare appropriate the mercy of God to you, but you won't appropriate to other people. That is not how we're called to live. <laughs> My mom was a, was a girl. She didn't want to go to the Catholic church. and So the priest thought she would, he would send home one of her sisters, St. Louis, uh, a very Catholic town, St. Louis, St. Charles, St. Peter's. (laughs) So the priest sent my uh, mother's sister, my aunt, home, and he said, now you go home and you tell her she's going to go to hell for this. Now you know how Doris is as an adult. Imagine her uh, 9, 10, 12, just the same. And her response was, tell him, I'll meet him there. <laughs> yes. Damn, little girl, she's going to go to hell. At the same time, if if preachers won't pick up the word of God to be honest with people, the people of God, then who's going to be? Yeah, but I was always taught that, you know, you give your life to Christ and, you know, everything's fine and dandy and, yeah, God's not the one that turns his back on you. You're the one that turns your back on him. There's the difference. And one of the ways you turn your back on him is by not forgiving other people. Look at somebody and say, I love you, but I'm not going to hell for you. Therefore, I'm going to forgive you. Tell them, look at me in the eye and say, you can't make me not forgive you. Come on, say, I'm not going to hell on account of that. <laughs> Amen. Aren't you glad you're safe, though? Aren't you glad you're walking in love? Aren't you glad you're walking in mercy? Aren't you glad you're not that kind of a Christian? That oh, happens all the time. It, in base levels and, and, and in great examples, it happens all the time. Uh, you know, little, little Billy Bob and, and Mary Jo, they're coming to church and, and all of a sudden they have an issue with somebody and they decide they don't like them or they don't like that small group or they don't like that church, so they get offended, they get hurt, they get put out, and what do they do? They go over to second church. Watch this. But they went over to second church not because of the leading of the Lord. They went over to second church because of unforgiveness. And I'm preaching a lot better than you're all staring at me right now. All the while thinking, I'm spirit led, I'm doing what God wants me to do. You just stepped into the realm of a Christian who's not in right standing with God because you won't forgive. God transitioned you, you better do it in a place of forgiveness and mercy and love. But it very rarely happens that way. Why would I say that? Because the body of Christ is filled with people who do this. And how does it work? Oh, that's how it works. Somebody again, oh, they hurt me so bad, oh, blah, 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 blah. And here, here comes second church pastor. We'll never do that to you, darling. Welcome to the church. And you know, these intelligent pastors won't even call the previous pastor and find out how big idiots they really are. Because all they care about is the butt in the seat. That's good, good word. When what they should care about is the heart in that seat. Amen? Well, I believe I'm in a church today that, that wants to walk in forgiveness. Amen? And here's how you do it. I want you to write these down. I want you to memorize these. I want you to apply these to your life. Number one, you forgive with your will. You must divorce the concept of unforgiveness. You must divorce it entirely from your emotions because emotions have nothing to do with it. This is not a function of your mind. It's not a function of your emotion. It has one thing to do with and that is your will. You decide to forgive. Don't care how I'm feeling. Doesn't matter. I can be a flaming mad, but I can with my will do what? I can will to forgive. Say that with me. I will to forgive. We just found out what the consequences were for not. Does that make sense? So... Jesus didn't say it because you have this emotion of unforgiveness. That has nothing to do with that. It's about your will. It's about your heart. It's about the condition of your spiritual life. Tender-hearted towards one another. Unforgiving people are not tender-hearted. They're what? They're actually hard-hearted. Say this with me. My will? I will will to forgive. Say it again. I will to forgive. We must divorce emotion from forgiveness. It's totally a matter of the will. This means it is a decision. You need to treat the pain of remembering what somebody did like a physical symptom of sickness and realize that healing is there but has nothing to do with forgiveness. You'll be healed in time, but the decision to forgive is made based on your will. Amen? Now, here's where the preemptive forgiveness comes in. I perceive David's going to do something that I need to walk in forgiveness for and I'm just picking on you today because that's what happens to me. When you sit in the front, you get to be illustrations for the sermon, and you get spit on. That's just the reality. So if you sit here and bring some plastic with you. <laughs> say it with me, my will. You know that if you stay in step with the Spirit of God, you can discern when something's brewing in somebody. hmm When you're placed in an office, say as a pastor or some other faithful ministry gift, it comes with open doors. It comes with insight from the Spirit of God. This is often the case. So, as a pastor, you you might get a you know a spiritual telegraph, email, IM, text that something's brewing in somebody's heart and life. Our tendency is to wait until something manifests and then react with either anger or forgiveness or unforgiveness. God's trying to teach you today, preemptively forgive people. I don't recommend you do this. Walk up to your spouse or or somebody in your family or somebody in your church and say, I know you're about to do something stupid, so I'm preemptively forgiving you. I'm not saying do that, but I'm saying what? In your hearts. In your heart, I am preemptively forgiving you. Because that's what he did. did. Now, do they need to respond to it? Do they need to take responsibility? Of course, this is not about somebody not taking responsibility. Or even there won't be consequences because of what they've done. We're talking about your response. Your heart. Come on, look at somebody and say, I know. know. At some point, you're going to do something stupid. (laughs) I decided to preemptively Forgive you. Now we wait until the water is boiling. Hmm. Now it becomes a matter of are we gonna to listen to the Spirit of God dealing with our will or are we gonna run this thing by emotions? Hallelujah. Say it with me. I am a preemptive forgiver. I'm not just a forgiver. Amen? I'm a preemptive forgiver. Number two, forgive with your words. Forgive with your words. There's lots of scripture on forgiveness. Amen? But when you deal with this thing, you use your will, and then you open up your mouth, and you say, I forgive so and so for what they have done or said, because if I forgive, I'll be forgiven. Use your words, declare your forgiveness over that situation, and use the word of God in that confession. Say it with me I choose to forgive so and so in Jesus' name because if I forgive, I'll be forgiven. Now, what is that doing? You've been taught, raise your hand if you ever heard a message on the power of the tongue in this church. (laughs) A couple of you. James tells us that the tongue is like what? Like the rudder on a ship. It controls where you go. So if I will get up every day preemptively saying, I forgive so-and-so, when it comes back to your mind, comes back to your heart, you know, when you have an emotional reaction, that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. But what you want to do is you want to keep your boat on that forgiveness track. So just get up and say preemptively, I forgive so-and-so what they've done in Jesus' name, because if I forgive, I'm going to be forgiven. Now what happened now is your body, your life, your mind, your emotions are going to follow what your mouth just said. Instead of going around like we do, looking at somebody saying, sometimes we do. I just can't believe what they did. Can you believe what they did? I can't believe. They're Christian. Can you believe what they said? I can't believe they acted that way. What is that doing for you? That is directing you towards unforgiveness. It's using your mouth the opposite way God wants you to use it. Amen. That's practice. I forgive them for what they have done or said in Jesus' name. Because if I forgive, I'll be forgiven. Say it again. If I forgive, I'll be forgiven. You know what that does? That keeps you on, on heightened alertness and awareness to walk in love, even if other people don't. Amen. They don't choose to live this way. That's that's not your problem. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Amen? And you're going to spread you're going to influence other people just by by living this way. So turn to somebody and tell them, use your will. will." Forgive others with your words. Words of forgiveness and declarations of forgiveness are going to direct me towards a path where I back that up with my behavior and my attitude. Amen? It's a good thing. Number three, write this down. I'm going to use my my will, my words, and we also going to use the wisdom that God gave me. Scripture gives us great wisdom about this subject of forgiveness. The Lord taught much about it, Paul spoke much about it. And you and I are under a covenant. Aren't you glad you're under a covenant of redemption? Say, I, I am redeemed. Ephesians 1 7, how are you redeemed? By the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Why would he forgive us? Because blood has been shed. Why would you forgive others? Because blood has been shed. Write this down. One piece of wisdom you need to emphasize in your life is this. When you don't forgive, you're breaking the covenant. You and I can't afford to be covenant breakers. I just thought that if I accepted Jesus, I was in covenant. I don't have any responsibility. Yes, you do. The people in a covenant, both partners have a responsibility. When God appeared to Abraham and he went through the animals and they split him in two and made declarations, what happened was he made declarations and there were curses and blessings for each party depending on what they do. You do have a responsibility. You are receiving God's grace and God's mercy by covenant. You have a covenant responsibility to forgive others. When you don't, you're breaking the covenant. I'll just say this to you as I get it. How many believe that divine protection is real? How many believe that God, divine uh, guidance is real? Raise your hand if you believe that. There are Christians who have compromised their protection because they broke the covenant because they won't forgive somebody. And then you'll turn around and point your fist at God as if he's responsible for it. I mean, understand, we're living in in very tenuous times. We're living in dangerous times. We can't afford to be without, what, covenant protection. Well, I I confess Psalm 91, it didn't work. Well, let's talk about Psalm 91. Are you walking in the love of God? Are you walking in their opinions His word? If you're not forgiving, the wisdom of God says to forgive, if you're not forgiving, you're violating the covenant that gave you forgiveness. Yes, amen. A couple of tidbits before we come to the Lord's table today. Some of you are still stuck on, if you don't forgive, you're going to hell. Listen, get over it. Just repent if that's you. Don't sit there and meditate on it. It's being preached because I don't want you to go there. You know what I heard about Hope Harbor? The pastor doesn't want the people to go to hell. (laughs) There's a revelation. (laughs) Forgiving is a covenant responsibility. When we refuse to forgive, we violate the covenant. God forgave us. Here's the wisdom. So we should be motivated to do what? The same. The product of our forgiveness is a tender heart. The act of forgiveness frees the forgiver. Raise your hand if you want to go free. Raise it the pie if you want to go free. When you forgive, you go free. You go to a higher level spiritually. Nothing can keep you back. Here's another piece of wisdom. Forgiveness is a never-ending debt. Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except a continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled what? The law. You're never going to be out of debt. Even in glory, you're still going to be called to what? To love. Now, oftentimes we'll use the scripture to talk about the natural implications of debt. Amen. Living out of debt, getting out of debt. But look at the implication of the scripture in context. He's saying, I am never going to be without a debt to love because of what he did for me. i tell you, when you live this way, you can't wait to forgive somebody. What an absolutely non-carnal way to think about it. I can't wait to forgive you. <laughs> Look at somebody and smile. You're going to do something to hurt me, but I can't wait to forgive you. Bless God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. <laughs> yes, amen. Forgiveness is a gift that should always be paid forward, always on active ready. I'm preemptive about this stuff, not reactive and moody belligerent, bitter. I'm on the act of ready. You and I should be experts in forgiveness. Amen? Look at somebody and tell them, you look like you have a PhD in forgiveness. Glory to God. Bless God. I mean, you know, it sounds a whole lot better than a vocational certificate in bitterness. That was a drive through As you begin to let the Lord just minister to your heart, some of you know He is a forgiver. And two things are going to happen today. You're going to receive forgiveness and you're going to forgive others. You're going to let them go. I said you're going to let them go with a big smile on your face, preemptively. Amen. And you're going to live this way. Amen. Walking around with an attitude, they can't make me not forgive them. Totally different. But then, you know, our minds should be renewed as Christians. We shouldn't be like everybody else. I'm in this line. And I, won't, I, won't, I won't call out the name of the business in case you're boycotting them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'm in this line, and I finally get up to the front, and the lady says, <laughs> she says, somebody's paid for your meal. He said, in fact, this has been going on for about the past 10 or 12 cars. And you know what my thought was? I am not going to be the guy that breaks, amen, the (laughs) chain. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be, you know what that guy did? Yeah, and I believe he's a pastor, too, and he's the one that broke this thing. Tell you what, bless God. They are like like 12, and I was like number 13. I thought, bless God, it was going to be at least a number 14, because I am not going to break this. So um, my bill was probably 672 Did that the person in front of me paid. Bless their heart. I, I hope they get a huge harvest off of that, amen? I really do. <laughs> I said, "Well, I'm not breaking this." Okay, you sure you want you sure you want to do that? I said, "Okay, what's their bill? 54.38 or something like that." (laughs) And I said, "You are not breaking the chain." (laughs) So so I paid it. (laughs) I can't even remember the actual total amount, but it it was like four or five ten. I don't know what it was a lot more than my bill was, and uh, (laughs) so I didn't. Now, I don't know what the people behind me did. Somebody, somebody is going to get through that train, get up to the window, and they're going to say, "You know, the car in front of yours paid for yours," and they're going to say, "Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus," and drive off. Amen. That's going to be it. Not even thinking. The car number one paid for what? Car number two, and car number two paid for what? Car number three, all the way down to me. And I wasn't going to break the chain. That's the same attitude you and I need to have towards forgiveness. It's a gift, and I'm going to keep on giving it. And it's not going to cost you 54 or nothing. It's already been paid for. Paid in full. Come on, say it. Paid in full. How do I forgive, Pastor? You do it with your will, not your emotions. You do it with your words, faithful words declaring your forgiveness along with the scripture that backs that up every single day. And number three, you do it with what? Do it with the wisdom of God. We're talking about a covenant matter here. We're talking about a matter of debt. We're talking about a matter of gift. You and I have a lots of expectations in the covenant to to maintain that spirit. How could Jesus do what he did? If you're the son of God, come down from there and save yourself. If you're this, if you're that, hey, he did that for you and for me, Amen. And his expectations are that we're going to walk with that same kind of love and forgiveness towards others. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is the devil's going to test you on this probably before the end of the day. You may not even get to dinner. That's right. So you better get your preemptive in gear. Amen? (laughs) You better get it going. Why don't you bow your heads for just a moment. The musicians come back. We're going to come to the Lord's table.